Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the Fancy File Podcast. I am your host, Greg the Scott, and I have with me today a very curious group of individuals. They look curious. They're they're ready to get going and to share and to dive in to truths. We're going to open that Fancy File cabinet, and we're going to pull out the Fancy File briefing document, and we're going to dive in today. So I have with me, he's across from me, he's looking very good, very, uh, he's a, I think he's rejoiced. I don't yeah. know if he's all rejoiced out, but maybe he hasn't rejoiced enough yet. Mick, how are you? I'm doing well. You look well. I'm doing very well. Yeah. Is there anything you want to announce? Yeah. I was driving on my way here, and people seem to be living out my greatest fantasy on the road. Just freestyle? Well, yeah. I mean, my favorite Fast and Furious movie is Tokyo Drift. Fair enough. And um, when I saw that brown delivery truck drifting on the road, I felt alive for that that other person. That yes. For those of you who would like to know what he's talking about, mm-hmm. uh, where we are in this point of the world today, it is snowing out. So maybe for some of you who are not in snowy cultures, well, you may not understand what this is, but people I think- forget to drive. Yeah, and bad roads, I think, is a universal concept that people can That's true. can get behind, That's you know. True. But by the time this episode comes out, we might be wearing shorts. <laughs> there are definitely people in the world who, when this episode comes out, will be wearing shorts. Greg's already wearing I'm, shorts. I always wear shorts. That's true. Not outside when it snows, but I'm a shorts guy. That's true. Yes. Now, you've heard her speak. We have Melanie. Melanie, how are you today? Hey, yo. I'm doing well. I'm glad I made it here safe. She did make it here safe. Yeah. In the uh, recording studio. Yeah. Very exciting. Very positive. Yes. It it was quite quite a drive. Quite a drive. Quite a drive mm-hmm. indeed. Mick, I think there's things that uh, you need to tell the listening audience. There are. Like where you can find us oh okay he's like what what am i telling them what i was things? about to just reveal secrets <laughs> not fancy file secrets i hope no no those are in the cabinet that's locked away yes for a special episode potentially yeah so you can find us on every popular streaming service uh for the moment uh this season is not available on youtube there might be like a mass upload uh once the season's over but so you can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Audible. Right. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. Good. Um, yeah. Great. It's pretty good. It is good. Yeah, you can find our pamphlets on some bus stops. <laughs> I think it's been a while, but maybe, maybe you'll find a QR code. <laughs> yeah. And... Like and subscribe on Facebook, Fancy Files. Is it is it the Fancy File Podcast or Fancy File Podcast? I always forget. It's the Fancy, the Fancy File, File Podcast. There's no other one out there. Called. We would like to, if there is, we'd like to meet them. Yes. And yeah. we'd like to meet you. That's fair. If you reach out to us, we will reach back pretty quickly. I'm generally on the money when it comes to responding to people. He is. Yeah. He's a very excitable on the money guy. Very. Good. So, yeah, like and subscribe. Uh, we will post stuff from time to time. Uh, but if, if it's you desire to reach out with questions or comments, that would be the best way to do it. Uh, so we can respond to you in a timely fashion. We don't have any email uh, or, well, we might have an email. I was going to say a mailing address. We don't have a P.O. box or anything like that. You're going to have to reach us through Facebook. If you desire to just ask questions or comments or just want to reach out just want to chat mick is up for chatting yeah i don't go out a lot that's fair so I, i'm waiting he's waiting reach people he's waiting for you to chat with him mm-hmm. my office is just an empty room with one computer and i'm just waiting for messages to come in so i can answer as quickly as possible so let's stop yeah. with keeping mick waiting and let's it's get true. answering because it's sending you- i should say <laughs> It'd be really cool if we had a whole bunch of questions from people that we could answer on the show. Because we love answering theology questions. So please ask us theology questions. Right, guys? Yes. I didn't agree to this. (laughs) Even though I say it every week. (laughs) Yes, we would be okay with questions. 
uh, as long as obviously they're uh, respectful. Because we know there are Christians who have questions. Like there's times that if I have theology questions, I'll email my pastor. My pastor gives me very good responses. And and I'm sure we've all been there as Christians. You know, what does this mean in the Bible? What does that mean? And maybe you have commentaries. I think maybe in our case is what did you mean when you said something? We didn't clarify on it. Exactly. And that's, hey, look, that's okay. If, if we said something that you're not sure of or you want to reach out uh, with those questions, because uh, sometimes we'll just kind of like just say this is what we are without going into much detail. We do, we are Pentecostal or Pentecostal leaning. So that uh, might trigger some Christians. What? Pentecostal? I'm out of here. Uh, we don't do any falling down. The only falling down we do is when the ice is too slippery outside. And whoops, down <laughs> we go. We don't say that's the gift of the spirit or the power of God moving. Well, it is the, the power of God That would be over th- creation. Well, well, <laughs> Not in the way the some people would, would describe it, and uh, but we're not here. I didn't mean to say that as in yeah. we're insulting people who do come under the power of God, but we do have Christians when they hear Pentecostal or charismatic, they check out, they check out, mm-hmm. or they think everybody follows some type of prophecy, and there are very good, very sound Pentecostals, pastors, teachers. Uh, even theologians who are very balanced in the word of God. There are even charismatics out there who are reformed. <gasps> yeah. Well, we don't need to be shocked by that because you're sitting right next to one. Hello. No, no? I wasn't saying that for me. Uh-oh. I was adding a sound effect because some people don't know. Uh-oh. Don't know. So I was trying to make well, it our, like. R.T. Kendall. Actually. Yeah, R.T. Kendall is. is uh, no, I'm saying maybe of. our audience doesn't know that. Mm. Right. Right. Mm. Are you our audience? <laughs> Is that you? Pret- is that you? She's I'm just our she's audience right here. is right here. That's how I'm close sitting we are in, to our so I can enjoy the show. She hasn't officially joined yet. We didn't sign her. We just say we're doing it. She's just been up. a year. But yes, uh, we're not afraid of questions. Please feel free if you honestly have genuine questions, and and if we get enough of them, we might have a show. You know where we would feel like, oh, these are good questions. We'll bring it up. Uh, or, you know, we will try to answer you on the spot. Uh, we will try our best. Make us sitting in his room waiting. Let's not make him wait. Yes. The room is gray and there are no windows. It's very sad. But I'm waiting. <laughs> Maybe you should fix the room up a bit. I should. Maybe people are like, I don't like this room I'm sending this questions to. Let's very stop sad. it. <laughs> so we have good news. And the good news is that today... On this podcast, we are going to finish the message to Smyrna, the persecuted church. We're well aware that we might spend a little bit of time on certain passages, but honestly, this is how we do our Bible studies. We don't like to rush. Maybe some people wish we would rush, but we don't do that. We like to spend time on it, have discussions. And I do believe that it's been a blessing uh, for some of you. Maybe for some people, it's hard to hear. Uh, persecution it's not in our vocabulary especially if we're in the west maybe there's some of you listening you're in countries that persecution is what you face on a daily basis maybe you feel we're not even expressing it well enough it could be we really don't really know true persecution uh the most i think we would face would be maybe rejection from people online people making fun of us like never really our lives in jeopardy that's something that i know i've never faced but so what we're going to do is uh, I'm going to get Mick, the official Bible reader of the Fancy File podcast, to uh, read for us Revelation chapter 2. We're going to have him read verses 10 and 11. And I'm reading from the New King James. Really? Oh, fantastic. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death. And I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Thank you, Mick. Okay. So, I can't remember exactly what we said last time, but I'm sure it's something like this. And I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. And I said it earlier. Persecution. And talking about suffering is not easy for many to hear. Yet you cannot read through the Bible and come to a conclusion 
that suffering is not a part of the disciples' vocabulary. Suffering is 100% a part of the Christian life. And ignoring it is not going to help you. And also, we don't want people to get some type of martyr complex where it's they either have an improper view of it or like become obsessed with it because that you don't want to be obsessed with death. You want to be focused on Christ and and living uh, in the here and now, but it does need to be in our vocabulary. We need to understand that Christians will suffer. Well, in uh, second Corinthians, I like what Paul says. He puts it this way. I do not want you to be ignorant. Yes. Good. Right. So, Whatever um, approach we choose to have regarding uh, suffering and persecution, the important thing is that we are not ignorant to the fact that it is very biblical, that it will happen. Yeah, amen. Now, the good thing is, is that in the Word of God, when it tells us truths that will make us uncomfortable, the Bible also gives us exhortations, commands, and ways to kind of like, well, how do we deal with it? Like, the, God isn't just saying, you're going to suffer, that's it. Yes, we're going to suffer. The Lord also knows we have emotions. The Lord knows that we're weak. The Lord knows that we have our fears and, our, and the battles that we face. He gives us tools to help us when we're going through it. This church, the Smyrna church, they're suffering terrible persecution. And it's going to get worse. Now, this is one of the few churches that did not have um, a word of rebuke Mm -hmm. against them. And I don't know if that means because the persecution kind of helped them to focus more or like really refine them. And that's actually one of the things I think we talked about how God uses suffering. But this church, it says that they're the devil's about to throw some of them in prison. They're going to be tested. They're going to have tribulation 10 days. It's going to be rough. He's warning them. But yet he gives them exhortations. He tells them not to fear. Right? He says at the beginning of verse 10, do not fear any of those things that you are about to suffer. Now, to be able to do this, it has to be through the supernatural power of God. And that means as Christians, we need to be in relationship with him. We need to be abiding, sorry, abiding, abiding, (laughs) abiding. We need to be abiding in Christ. That means we need to be daily receiving strength from him, supernatural grace to enable us to say, I'm not afraid. Because it's natural to be afraid of something that could take our life. And I believe that's actually something that God gave to us kind of like and i'm not talking about an irrational fear but like a respect fear in a way like like fire you don't put your hand in the fire because you're gonna burn right so you have a respect the fire the same thing with dangerous chemicals or even uh dangerous tools you respect it when you're driving a car you respect the power of the the vehicle you have so it's natural. You don't want to hurt yourself. You don't want to hurt other people. But yet, when we're facing this, this is something that fear can get us to the place where we can try to get out, so to speak. And so for the Christian, the temptation could be to abandon the faith, to leave that church, um, Maybe even the compromise if you're suffering because, you know, you stand up for truth, right? And the consequence of standing up for truth is persecution. So this is one of the few things where, like, in our day-to-day lives, we're going to suffer, right? There's going to be things that are going to come our way. Um, We could face personal storms. It could be financial storms. It could be health-related. It could just be what we're living in it could be a a dangerous area there's things that are out of our control but with this this is something you go in willingly you are going to suffer as a christian you sign up to be a christian i i know using those terms but part of that means that you're going to suffer and 
So you have to accept that. It's one of those things where it's like, you want, you want life. You want to live for Christ. Here is, I don't want to, maybe consequence is the right word. I'm going to use consequence. A natural but, consequence. Yeah. Maybe. Well, it, I, I don't want to say side effect either. Cause G, taking Jesus is a medication. What result? Yeah. So yes. Okay. Sure. One of the results of being a Christian is that you will suffer and you have to accept that. Well, um, I think, you know, you were talking about how the persecute, like Smyrna, the persecuted church, isn't rebuked in any way through this. And it could be because we've seen uh, in history and uh, from experience, right, that when hard times come and persecution, the it acts almost as those it's a sifting. There's a like um, some sort of a filtering, you know, where it's like those who actually aren't of the Lord's or I should say committed uh, doesn't mean they won't become of the Lord. Right. Um, will leave because it's like, well, I haven't calculated the cost. It, it doesn't make sense for me to remain in this. I thought it was going to be one thing and then it's not, but then really comes down, I guess, like, like I said earlier, right? Ignorance. It's like, well, I didn't know this was going to happen, but these Christians here, they knew it was going to happen. And now they're going through it, and God is confirming that it's going to keep going for some time. And so perhaps that is why they're, they're not rebuked in any way, because the sifting had been done already. That's, yeah, that's possible. I was actually thinking the same thing. Now, I think the last podcast we left off at the second exhortation that's given to them which is to, to be faithful unto death and I think we ended with this you can die for your faith mm. yeah that rings a bell so okay we know we're going to suffer and and wherever we are in the world that's going to look different as like suffering for the faith but now dying for the faith that's something that I don't think a lot of Christians, depending where we are in the world, really, like, it's told to them. Like, you could die for your testimony of Jesus Christ. And there is no promised formula that will protect you from this. Now, the Lord definitely can protect you from death. And I believe in many times he has protected Christians all across the world, all through time, from death. The enemy had marked them for death and it was intended to take them out. And the Lord said, nope, this is not my will. We see it in the New Testament. I think even with Paul, I think there were some that had. I'm trying to remember where it was in Acts, but are you guys remembering this where they like kind of like made a covenant that they were going to kill Paul. They weren't going to eat till they kill Paul. And the Lord delivered Paul out of their hands. Paul eventually did die. But at that point, that wasn't God's will for him. Here's the thing. There is for some, it's God's will that they're going to die for the faith. What do you guys think about that? Well, if you think of our, I'm going to say, use the word favorite testimonies. Because I think it's very part of our culture to love hearing testimonies. A lot of the ones we remember are the dramatic ones where people have died and suffered for the faith. So we like hearing about it because it's encouraging, right? A lot of us have a hard time living for the faith. And right. here are people that are willing to die for it. Right. Uh, you know, take the story of Jim Elliot, right? Most Christians in North America have heard it a thousand times. But the beauty of that testimony isn't simply that he died for his faith along with other people. is that God's work and will was still done because their wives of those missionaries, who I guess were missionaries too, were called by God to go there and decided, well, we're still called by God to be here and we're still going to go forth and do what needs to be done. And then those people got saved, the people they were ministering to. And the people who murdered their husbands repented. It's like God is still at work in our suffering and without wanting to be a martyr, I think 
a lot of Christians, myself included, should really aspire more to put yourself in a position of total devotion to God, that whatever his will is, that I would be willing to go forth with it, regardless of the risk. You know, for us, if we want to be in a position where that is possible, we need to really go out of our comfort zones. Uh, Not that you have to go in, you know, and minister to a tribe who's known for spearing people to death, but there's areas in our neighborhoods that we don't go, uh, that it's not safe. Like, it's not too bad here, but like some areas, it's not safe to drive by at night unless you're an Uber driver. That's it, you know. But still, we have to go out and we have to have our hearts set to follow God and to truly obey him, uh, you know, in life and in death. What was your question? Can you repeat it? What was the question? Mm-hmm. As Christians, there's going to be some of us who will die for the faith. And it's actually the Lord's will for them to die for the faith. I think that's where some people might, ooh, like dying for the faith is one thing, but knowing it's God's will. What do you think about that? That's a loaded question, Gregory. Is it a loaded question? It is. How is it loaded? No, but I mean that there's a lot that I could say. Um, because... There's just, I don't even know where to begin Uh, because I do think that it can, that it is God's will for some people to die um, for the faith. Um, If we look at the testimonies of like Polycarp and um, like a lot of the apostles were killed for their faith. They were martyrs and Jim Elliott and all these people, um, Perpetua that I was talking about uh, a few podcast episodes ago. And the thing is, in the way that people understand that question nowadays without having a background in sound theology, it can sound like God is a monster, right? It can sound like if you're a liberal Christian or if you're someone who's an atheist, you can be like, what? God wants me to die for or God wants someone to die? Like, what is that? Um, And so if you don't understand that, I think it can be very confusing. But you have to understand that Jesus has promised, has said that we would have trials and tribulations in this life. But that he said, take heart, I have overcome the world. Like, I'm going to be with you until the very end. Um, Also... Jesus says in the Gospels that we shouldn't be storing up treasures for ourselves in heaven. Like, uh, sorry, we should. That we shouldn't be storing up treasures for ourselves on earth. That we should be looking to heavenly things. Like, set your mind on things above, Colossians says. So, I think if we look at it from like an earthly perspective, the greatest thing, the thing that has the most value according to human beings is life, right? Like, not liberals necessarily, but like preservation of life. Like we want to preserve our lives. We want to, to stay alive. But Jesus is like, well, I'm actually in control and I'm actually sovereign and things may not turn out the way that you want them to. And truly Jesus says that if you truly love him and you truly want to follow him, chances are you're going to get you're going to experience persecution. Like that's pretty much what Gregory was saying earlier. Like you sign up for suffering and tribulation if you're a Christian. And so, um, I think that's the gist of what I wanted to say. Yeah. Amen. So I do think where the issue would be for some, so obviously there's going to be an issue for some with persecution off the bat that no one should suffer persecution. I think that they would be really in the minority. Then there's the dying part. I think you will have Christians who accept, yes, Christians can die. But I think where the problem might be is saying that for some it's God's will. I think that's where the issue can be. And 
I mean, I don't know how to respond to that. Like you will have Christians who will disagree and say, no, it isn't God's will for anyone to die. It is, you know, death is, 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 is the, is an enemy of God. And yes, we all understand that. But if you look throughout scripture, you do see times where like first for, for Christ, Christ came to die. That was God's will. That didn't happen by, and gotten it surprised God. And then he decided, well, we're, we're just going to, we're going to roll with it. It pleased him to bruise him. Exactly. Now, we're not saying that, okay, every time someone has died as a Christian, that that was necessarily a martyr's death or that it was um, like, okay, God orchestrating this. There's a lot of stuff we don't understand. And I want to be careful with that because I don't want to go to two extremes. And it's easy to do that within Christianity where on the one extreme, God is like not in control. It's all us that's doing it. And, you know, and anything bad happens, it's all the devil. And then on the other extreme where it's just God's pulling strings. And I, I'm, I'm not on any side of that. Amen. But it, you can't read the Bible and come to a conclusion that God isn't in control. Mm. Even if things happen that are clearly against what God has revealed in his will, in his word, if it's still happening, it's because he's allowing it to happen. Mm-hmm. Whether he caused it, whether he's allowing it, it's still God is allowing this to happen. We don't understand why. We don't. And I don't know if we ever will. I know some people have this idea. I'll stop before God and, I, and I'm going to ask him all these questions and he's going to have to read Job. When God shows up, he doesn't give answers the way. I mean, he's he's responding, but not in the way we want. So, look, there's things we're not going to understand. But I do believe scripturally that God uses martyrs' deaths. He uses it. He allows it. And times, I believe that we can say that it's his will that this was to happen. That Yes, I know death is his enemy. But we're in a world that has death. And God, even in that evil God will allow things and use things and cause things to happen for his greater glory. And I think that's what I want to bring out. It's not just some purposeless thing. When it happens, it's for his greater glory. You talk about Jim Elliott. We might think, what was the point of him dying? He was barely there. But yet, what happened after he died, after those that were with him died, and the wives went back among the tribes? God used that to get them saved. And since Jim Elliott's desire was to see people saved, hey, he's rejoicing. First of all, he's with the Lord, which needs to be our focus. This earth is not where it's at. It's to be with Christ. And if you're a Christian, remember the resurrection. You're coming back. You're coming back to this earth. And we're going to live here and we're going to rule and reign with Christ. So there's so much more to the picture. So when we think it's God's will that I could die. Like he could use death as a part of my life. You're not seeing the whole picture. Mm. You're only looking at some fearful element of dying. You're not understanding how God can use it for his greater glory, for his purposes to spread the gospel and that people would get saved. Um, just another thing that I would like to add in relation to the testimony of Perpetua that I was sharing a few weeks ago is that when she had her vision of her in heaven after she after her martyrdom she was reassuring people around her and she was saying like guys like we don't have to be afraid of death like we don't have to be afraid of being martyred um because there's going to be a great reward and so death for the christian should not be a sad um horrible thing because it's not the end it's only the beginning right Mm -hmm. and so when you when someone hears like that oh well it's the will of god for for some people to to die as martyrs well those people they were they're entering into um the promised land they're entering into like heaven and it's 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 actually not a bad thing for a Christian to die. It's the best thing that could ever happen to them in a way. 
And so, and they're going to get like a reward, right? Well, think of what Paul says for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. Yeah. Why did he want to commit suicide? Absolutely not. I remember years ago. Does anyone remember MSN messenger? Mm -hmm. Okay. When you could update a status or put a name. And I remember I put that Bible verse like, cause I like that Bible. I thought that's a great Bible verse for me to live as Christ. I'm thinking and the die is gain to be with Christ. And and then MSN goes up blah, blah, and someone sees that pop up and they message me. Are you okay? Like they must've thought I wanted to take my life. I'm like, no, 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 I'm, I'm not, I don't want to die. I'm saying that for me, my whole existence is for the glory of God is to live for Jesus Christ is to know him and to die. When I do die, I get to be with the one that I live for. You're the greatest payoff ever. Amen. Amen indeed. So okay. So he says, word of God, Jesus says, be faithful unto death. Remember, this is Jesus speaking to them. He's commanding them to be faithful unto death. If this wasn't a part of his plan, he'd be like, just, just abandon ship. Just speak the magic prayer. No. He says, be faithful unto death. Don't give up. Don't turn from the faith. But look at the promise. And I will give you the crown of life. There's a lot I don't think we understand about the rewards and the gifts that are going to come at the end of this road. And I don't want to add or take away from it because it's very easy to do that. But the fact is that the Bible promises us rewards, crowns. And I'm, the Bible says crown, I believe it's a crown. Until I see that it's not, I'm not going to change my mind on that. But I think it's important to remember that as Christians. And again, like I said, it's not this temporal plane of existence that our focus needs to be. We will give an account one day. And there's warnings in scripture about those on, on, on that day where everything's going to be tested by fire. And there's going to be stuff that will last and stuff that won't. And for some, it might all get burned away. And they'll, and the Bible says they'll be saved as though by fire. So even if you, everything burns away, you're still making it because you're not saved based on your, on your works. But I think this is where a lot of Christians do struggle with rewards. It's because we're, we're saved by the grace of God. It's all of him, not of us. All he requires is faith. Not your works, not your obedience, faith. But then we see, well, crown of life, if I'm faithful unto death, and then that's, that's Christian struggle with that. And I can understand where that struggle can come from in a way. But I think sometimes the struggle comes from not having a proper balance. If we focus only on one aspect of what the Bible teaches and not on everything. Or we, well, this doesn't matter, let's overlook it. No, he wouldn't say something. Jesus is speaking I will give you a crown of life. Don't try to sound super holy and, oh, I don't need that. You don't need something that Jesus says you're going to get? Let's not be like that. Well, one of the commentaries I was reading brings up how that crown is refers to like the wreath an athlete, right, gets That's upon right. completing a race. Yeah. And it's like, well, here's what, you know, and it talks about testing and this and that. And I think anyone, you know, who's seen videos of like the roads to the Olympics or whatever, you see these people like work out and they train and they go through challenges and it's difficult. And then the event itself is difficult. And then at the end, there's a payoff, you know, for a few. But here it's like, no, we're there. All of us are getting the payoff. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. And it's going to, cons like, Olympic, like, Olympians, it consumes their lives. Right. Like, that is what you do. That's a good point, Mick. And so for us, it's like, no, this is going to consume your whole life. And in this, in this case, it has to do with persecution. That's going to consume your whole life. And at the end of it, you're going to get that wreath of a winning athlete. You're going to get that gold medal, you know. Of like you did it, you made it, you know, you've completed the race, you know, which Paul speaks of in other passages. Why do you think that Christians struggle with the concept of rewards? Well, I think a lot of us 
believe that and in many ways rightfully believe that we are unworthy of the blessings of Christ. But that doesn't change the fact that God says this is what you will get. You know, um, we're unworthy of a lot of the things our parents did for us growing up. Um, if you played sports, you know, hockey's popular here. Do you know how expensive that is? Very. It's super expensive. Your parents have to sacrifice themselves as well because yeah. they have to go there on Sunday morning or wherever, like at like five to be at the arena so that you can practice and do whatever. It's sacrifice. Right. We're unworthy of that, but we got it. Like our parents didn't take that from us. And so I think that's where the, the line is. We don't deserve it. But in other areas of our lives, we still receive the blessing. And I think we need to bring ourselves to a point where we're okay with receiving that blessing from God. Yeah. And, and I say rewards are not just for those facing death. There's rewards for all types of aspects of Christian living, faithful living. You know, there's a lot about it we don't know. I will say that. And yet I do believe Christians need to live with that day in mind. Uh, I forget who it was. It might have been Leonard Ravenhill who used to talk about that, live with that day in mind. I, I remember David Wilkerson preached the message on that. And and not that it should, like, I don't want you to, to have, like, this foreboding fear, like, oh, no, I'm going to meet him and it's scary. No. Can you imagine, like, we look forward to seeing Christ so much. How much more do you think he looks forward to seeing us? Like, this idea that God really doesn't care about us, like, like, I guess I'll take you in. No, like, that's not his attitude at all. He loves us. We need to accept that. Mm -hmm. He loves us. He's the one that made the first move. Not us. It wasn't like he's in the corner. No, we were the ones running from him. We have this idea, oh, like, I found God. I know we use these terminologies, and I'm not against it. I'm not against it. I know some Christians get super triggered. That's fine. Christians are going to get triggered over a lot of stuff. Okay, but I don't get triggered over that because we're using terms to describe something that that's very real to us that really happened. Yeah. But scripturally speaking, we're the ones that are lost. Mm-hmm. God found us. Amen. Wasn't Him that was hiding? We're the ones that are hiding. So when you say that Christians struggle with the fact that they'll be getting a reward, what are the two sides of that? I'm just trying to understand. Because I've never experienced that. Like, I've never heard of that. So I'm just trying to understand before I answer the question. Like the two extremes, you mean? Yeah, the two well, extremes. Well, you have those that think that they got saved because they're special. Okay. Right? It's like, it's because somehow I'm deserving. Okay. And then on the other end, it's I'm garbage, like undeserving. Okay. To the point of, like, nothing. Like, I shouldn't get anything okay where it's like everyone should get into heaven you know by the Mm. uh, you know after everything's burnt up Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. so that's kind of the two extremes extremes. okay so what was the question (laughs) i was asking why why do christians or i don't want to say all christians why do some christians struggle with the concept of rewards Mm, okay well i think that's that pretty much sums it up but um i think I, I guess, empathize more with the side of, like, not feeling like you're good enough and, like, you deserve to get rewards. Um, But at the same time, I am so glad that we serve a God who doesn't see us the way that we see ourselves, right? And he's just like, well, I'm going to give you what I'm going to give you, and it's not up to you to decide. And just trust me. And I love that. And that's very reassuring. Amen. And that's very comforting. Because it's not up to me. It's not up to what I think I deserve. Um, And so there's a lot of things that we don't think about it. But in our day-to-day lives, like, it's an eternity moment. Like, it's counting for eternity. Like, what we're doing now, it's like, well, this counts for eternity. And it's up to God. Like, we give the result up to Him and whatever. But, I've like, none of this is insignificant. So it's interesting to think about. Amen. Verse 11. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. This is what 
the spirit is saying now. It's not just then. This is still applies to today. When people say, what is the spirit saying to the church? It's saying this. Overcome. Everything that he said in this entire message to Smyrna. He who has an ear, let him hear. It speaks to one, the fact that our walk with God is personal. It's not through a priest. You're accountable to God for yourself. If your walk with God is based on someone on this earth, you're in grave danger. It needs to be based on your faith in Jesus Christ and what Christ did at the cross in his resurrection for you. You need to have faith in him. You need to hear what the Spirit is saying. What the Spirit is saying here, through the Word of God. Overcome. He who overcomes. So there's a warning here. Because if you don't overcome, there's the second death. That's speaking of hell. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't want to get into the whole once saved, always saved thing. Because I know that can go either way here. But the idea is you will, regardless, have within churches individuals who who will claim salvation and they're not saved and they're going to hear the word of god read and there's going to be a warning overcome and how do we overcome well we overcome by our faith in christ so if you don't have that faith you're not going to overcome and you're you're going to die lost but like i like here because i know we can read this passage and it can be overwhelming but i actually think there's a beautiful promise here he who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. And it's beautiful because Jesus is speaking to believers and he's saying, look, some of you may die. There's people in this church that are going to die, but you're not going to be hurt by the second death. You might fear the first death. And the vast majority who are going to live on this earth as believers will have experienced the first death. I believe in a rapture and I believe that there's going to be some who won't experience that. Paul said that. So I show you a mystery. We shall be changed. We shall not die, but we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. So for some Christians, for a generation of believers, the last generation, they're going up. It's going to happen. For the vast majority of us, that's not going to be the case. But for those who experience death as a Christian can have the promise that the second death will not touch them. They will not awaken in hell and experience eternal condemnation and eternal torment for all of eternity. Because it is eternal. It's not temporary. Mm -hmm. As some people will try to say, no, 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 it's not. It's, not. it's eternal. You are going to, whoever, if you are not saved, this is what's going to happen. You will experience the first death and the second death. And it's almost, in a way, to those a part of the synagogue of Satan who are doing this, there's a warning there, too, for them, that this is going to be their future. They are going to experience that. Well, over the over other episodes, we spoke about how there's parallels in the Bible. And this is definitely it, right? Like you said, you've got those of the synagogue of Satan, and then you have those who overcome. And in First John uh, 5, Amen, yeah, good. Right? He, he says this, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And so really, when we read, you know, he who has an ear, let him hear, um, and speaks of those who overcome, those are those who are Christians, and so we have that parallel, the synagogue of Satan and those who are Christ's. And those who are Christ's don't have to fear because we're not touching this. It, you know, we will not be hurt by the second death. Um, and, and it is such a great assurance, right? Because if we just read this, we could have potentially this fear that or this thought, man, I really need to work hard to overcome. I really need to work and, and do works in order for all of this to to take place and lose sight that Christ is the overcomer and that we are in Christ. We can lose sight in the fact that the work has been done at the cross and that we are to partake in the sufferings of Christ here on earth. Um, and, you know, 
in the consolation that the spirit brings all these little things that you know we say it all the time but we need to read the bible in its context amen right and we need to know what the bible says about the things the bible says because that's how we understand it through itself and so it is such a great blessing to read such words mm. to to be reminded those in Christ will not be hurt by the second death, you know, because we are going to see the judgment seat, right? Like yeah. that's just, that's yeah. a, another biblical reality. Yeah. And we are going to be held accountable, but we will not be hurt by it if we are in Christ. Right. Bible talks about two judgment seats. There's the judgment seat of Christ, yeah. which the believers will face. Yeah. That's where they will be judged for their works, works of ministry. Then there's the great white throne judgment. If you're at the great white throne judgment, that's bad. You ain't making it. You're not going to heaven. Similar to the Valley of Decision in the Old Testament, where, ironically, if you are in the Valley of Decision, the decision has been taken for you. Yeah. Wow, that was heavy. Definitely. Um yeah, this is very important. It's important for us to remember these things and to live. Like Our theology needs to be based on the Bible, not based on cool catchphrases or clips or TikToks or, you know, song lyrics, even though good. some song lyrics are good. I'm not against song lyrics. But it has to be based on the Word of God. If your theology is not based on the Word of God, you're setting yourself up for a world of trouble. Because then you'll, you'll, it'll be based on, you know, like, you know, and you'll hear people say, God helps those who help themselves. How many Christians base their whole life on those things? Or, uh, you know, God can't give you more than you can handle. Like, all those things are wrong. God gives you things you cannot handle, so you learn to rely on him Preach. to do it. Mm -hmm. God helps those who can't help themselves. Mm -hmm. Because people, if you could do it, if you could help yourself, you wouldn't need God. You know, like, as examples, I know this has nothing to do with what we were reading today, but I think in a lot of ways, you know, a Christian will leave a book, read a book like Love Wins, and then, oh, well, you know, in the end, everyone's going to heaven, universalism. I read a cool book, and it made me feel good. Read the Bible. You want to read a cool book? Read the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. The, the youth pastor and you just came out. You know what's really cool? Yeah. The, the Bible. The Bible. <laughs> you know? Because I think for me... As someone that's been redeemed, born again, who's experienced that, and knowing that for a born-again Christian, when you read the Bible, the Bible comes alive. It's very exciting. Yeah. It's your food. It's spiritual food. Yeah. So for me, reading the Bible is like, it's something I want to do. Mm -hmm. When I hear people saying, I don't like reading the Bible, I understand struggling that will happen spiritually, but it's like, I don't want to read it. I'm very concerned for those people. And I'm not talking about non-believers. I'm concerned for them, obviously. But someone who says they're Christian and is not wanting to read the Bible, that's a problem. So time to fix it because look at what's at stake here. Overcome. Listen to what the spirit is saying. Does anyone have any final thoughts they want to share before we uh, land this fancy file plane? This is a very interesting church to study for the past few weeks. I'm very excited for the next. Um, which will be uh Pergamus. Yeah. Which is a, if Another you thought it took us long to do four verses, <laughs> just wait. We will uh, do our very best to power through that in a timely fashion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, but it, it's very exciting. And I think for us as well as we're going through it, um, because it is an extra Bible study, because um, we do it with along with the, the listeners. Right. Um, it is exciting to get to spend time and to join with <clears> – <throat> Christians throughout history who also studied these verses and Amen, who yeah. went through persecution and who who have overcome. Yes. Who are right now the great cloud of witness surrounding God. Amen. Yeah. And so it is encouraging. Amen. Well, I don't know. I was just reading Matthew seven. This is gonna be heavy. But um and it just says um that a lot of people on Judgment Day are gonna be saying, Lord, Lord um, have we not cast demons in your name? Have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not done all these wonders in your name? And he will say to some, 
depart from me, I never knew you, you mm. workers of iniquity. And so, I don't know, it kind of reminds me of these verses of people who are from the synagogue of Satan, who think they're Christians, who think they're doing the Lord, the Lord's work, and who are actually not. And that's a very scary thought. And when you're talking about people who don't read their, their Bibles, who claim the name of Christ, but are not actively living out for Christ, like that, it scares me. Like, I fear for their soul. Mm. And so, like Greg said, if that's you, you need to wake up and ask God for help. Um, cry out to him and he will, he will answer you, but you can't stay that way. Yeah. All right. Well, that uh, ends the study message to Smyrna, the persecuted church. I pray that it has been a help to those who've been listening. Um, challenging, no doubt, but hopefully perfectly a blessing that God uses it to help you, uh, whether you're suffering persecution and need encouragement or you need to know this because it's in the Bible. So that's it. I'm your host, Greg the Scott, and I had with me today Mick. Thank you for having me. And Melanie. Oh, yeah, that's me. Well, stay encouraged. God is with you. <laughs> Thank you very much, and God bless. Mm-hmm.